Pastor Ross, uh, started a series called uh, Surrender Solution. Um, and it, it's just been really good as we're delving deeper into what that means and how that is a cyclical process in our lives. And, and we're, we hit these different topics and sometimes it feels like, oh my God, I'm really, am I, I'm dealing with this again? But I, but I believe, and I love how Pastor Ross said this last Sunday is when we come back to it, it's not on the same level. God is digging deeper and deeper and deeper. He's uncovering more and more and we're, and we're giving him more and more and he's healing more and more and helping us to live our life better and better. Do you believe that? All right, I got a few of you with me, so I'm excited this morning because the Bible says we need two or three, and that's it. So, <laughs> so we were, we, you know, put that up to, we were talking about how we love and obey Jesus, and if it's all love, it's lazy, and if it's all obey, well, it's very legalistic, and it's stern, and it's hard, you know, but it starts in our heart as we give to Jesus, right? Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Right, um, and and from there we moved on to where it's relational. It takes it takes a relationship. It's intentional. We we actually have to step into it. It's spiritual, right? It doesn't just happen. We 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 we're intentional, and God moves through us, and it's amazing. It's exciting, and it's cyclical. We we continue. It, it's a process that we go through over and over again. So, in this morning, as we delve deeper, as we go through that, we're actually going to be talking about vulnerability this morning. And I'm uh, I just had most of the men just kind of check out a little bit. I'm like, Oh, Lord. Vulnerability. The moment I said vulnerability, like I lost 83.427% of the men in this room. <laughs> and a few ladies, quite honestly. So, uh, but, but listen, stick with me. Look, because look, there was no greater person. There was no greater man than Jesus, right? So, so buckle up, buttercup. We're going to go. Hey, we're talking about what he did and how he loved people. And so with that, come on, let's get into scripture. You ready? All right, Luke 7. The Bible says in Luke 7, verses 36, it says this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's home. So she came with an alabaster jar of perfume. I love that. She came with something and she stood behind him and at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissing them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited her saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she's a, she's a sinner. And so Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Uh, tell me, teacher, he said. Two, and he goes into a story. He said, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do, do you see this woman? I, I came to your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but, yet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give, you can give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. 
You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who who is this who even forgives sin? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, we open our hearts to you. We expose our lives to you, God. In vulnerability, we stand before you, Lord, and we thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, in, in this moment of prayer, Father, we pray for those, Lord, that are, that are in Florida, God, who are reeling from a real experience, who are reeling from, from a life-changing catastrophe, God. We pray that your healing, your provision, your comfort, your peace would be over them. Lord, as they navigate this next season in their life, we thank you, God, for you hear our prayers. We ask you to help us and help them. In the name of Jesus, everybody says? All right, let's unpack this thing a little bit, uh, this passage today. And there's, there, man, there's, there's a lot going on here. So we're not really, we're not going to hit everything, right? But we're, we're just going to, we're just going to go through this and just kind of pick some things out. And Jesus, so Jesus was invited to this dinner. And, and we see in the text that it, it's Simon, Simon the Pharisee, that's his home that, that he gets invited to. And then there's this woman, right? The woman that, that enters stage left. She hears that Jesus is there. She comes and, and what she does, really what we see from scripture kind of offends just, just about everybody. It, it offends some of the people that are there, maybe most of the people that are there. And so we, we quickly see this contrast between the Pharisee and this sinful woman. And the, the, the inner thoughts of Simon, right? And, and the, the outward expressions uh, of, uh, of, of vulnerability, because, because of the inner brokenness of the sinful woman, we, we, we're starting, we're going to unpack a little bit of, of this contrast. And so Simon's right, he's the host of this dinner party at his, at his home in which, you know, he's, 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 he's just kind of, I almost feel like, like he's just, he's just kind of like, I'm, I'm just kind of showing you all, all that I am. I'm showing you that, you know, my, my, the things that I have, come on in and come be a part of what this is. And, and we kind of start to see in the scripture, as we, as we get a little further, we'll start to see, kind of, okay, what, what was his motive? What was his, his heart condition as, as he invited Jesus in? And there's two people Right, we see Simon the Pharisee, Jesus is there. We see the sinful woman, and they're both on, on the opposite sides of, of just about every category. Right, they're they're on the opposite sides of in, in their status. They're they're on opposite sides of in in, in possession and and in title. They're, they're on the opposite side of, of societal relevance. They're they're on the opposite sides of, of maybe of even the, the of, of the socioeconomic scale. They're they're on opposite sides. Two people. Now they were they were both known though. Because Simon the Pharisee, he was well known. He he packed a room for a dinner party. And the the lady that walked in, Simon said, well, man, if you just knew who this woman was, you wouldn't be letting letting her touch you. So so they they, they were both known, but but for for different reasons. Simon the Pharisee, obviously, he was was wealthy. He had had much. And this sinful woman, she she didn't have much. She She was, you know... The Bible says she, she was a sinful woman, and we can, we can kind of derive from Scripture what she was doing. And some, some, some passages say that, that she was a woman of the night. Some other passages say, well, you know, she, the Bible just, is, just says that she's a sinful woman. If you look at that word, it just means sinful, that she was in, involved in sin, and she had sin in her life. Nonetheless, she, she was well known for it, whatever she was doing. 
She was living in a way that was sinful. And so obviously <laughs> there was obvious to recognize these two statuses that, that, that we're seeing, this, these polar opposites. And so she learns that, that Jesus is at this dinner at Simon's house. Well, well, you know, maybe because of Simon's uh, prosperity and Simon's, Simon's well-known, she, she knows where Simon lives. And so she, she goes over there, right? The, the Bible says that she came there with, with an alabaster jar of perfume. And, and it through, through a little, if, if you dig down a little bit, you can see that this, this is actually a very expensive jar of, of perfume. Some, some, some uh, manuscripts say it's just like a, a bottle of, of it was a, like a nard. It was, it was really fragrant and really powerful, really potent. And this, this sinful woman comes and it, it's, she comes essentially with, with the, the, her most prized possession. The Bible, the Bible is going to say that she, she anoints Jesus. She, she pours this oil on him. And right, she, the Bible says that, that she's crying, she's broken, she's behind him. And so if, if, it's kind of hard for us to see, but if you think about it, in, in, in that culture, when they would recline at a table, they would kind of lean forward, right? They would lean forward, their feet were behind them, they were at the table, they would kind of lean on their elbow and, and eat like this, and their feet were behind them. So she's, she's standing behind Jesus as he's like kind of laying on his hip, and she's kind of looking back, and she's crying all over his feet, wiping his, just washing his feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair. Do you know how messy that would be? Like, like Jesus is walking around in sandals everywhere he goes, and there, there's, there's dirt roads all over the place. And just the, the mixture of, of her tears, it's not like from a water fountain. So it's not just like washing his feet off. It's just kind of making this mud and this, this nasty thing that's going on. And she's cleaning her feet with her hair. It's almost, it's like, man, this is, that's embarrassing. Why would, she, why would she do that? She didn't care. Like, like she, she didn't care who, who was watching. She, she, she didn't even care who was there. Like she, like she didn't even care that she, was, she wasn't invited to the party, to the dinner. She had arrived at a place in her life where the decision to do this outweighed her life. It outweighed the circumstances in her life. She was, she was in tears and she was cleaning Jesus' feet with her tears, giving her, giving quite possibly the, the, her most prized possession, pouring it on his feet. And she, she obviously didn't have much, but this oil. And so she, she gave it all to him. And then, and then we, we see, right? We, we see Simon, the Pharisee. And, and if, I feel like, like he tried to do something virtuous. Because if, if you look at the culture in that time, it was, it, was actually, it was actually virtuous to invite a traveling teacher into your home to, to, it was, to, to, to bring them in, right? And so, so we, we, you, could, you see like, okay, he's trying to be virtuous. But then it's almost like the tables quickly turn on, his, on this host. Because all good hosts have servants, that would wash Jesus' feet. Like at the very least, the, the least you do is just put a bowl of water at the entrance so that people can wash their own feet. But as you get, as you raise, you get, you get higher in status, you get, you get higher on, on the scale, then you would actually have a servant there with a bowl and you would actually wash the guest's feet as they enter their home. And he, he failed to do even this. And so, so, so we, we start, to, start to kind of unpack this a little bit. 
And we, we, as we go through scriptures, we see, we see Simon, he, he makes this comment to himself. And he says, man, if, if Jesus knew who this, who this woman was, like he, like, he wouldn't even be letting her touch him. And, and just that comment to himself has all this kind of law and legalistic motive behind it. And I love Jesus responds with a story, as he often does, right? Jesus, Jesus very rarely, I think on like two or three times, does he actually answer the question, but he responds with parables, he responds with stories. And he talks about these two debtors that owed this, this debt, and they're, they're different amounts of debt, but they've been forgiven. And he goes through and he says, okay, which one do you think, Simon, has been forgiven more? Who loves more? Right? So Luke here is, has, has this contrast of the Pharisee and, and, and the, sin, the, the sinful woman. And, and again, if you, if you read throughout Luke, throughout, throughout the parables, the way he lays things out, again, the, the sinner, right, the sinner comes out ahead. So again, we see this picture, and we've been saying this quite often, this picture of this upside-down kingdom, that, that God is calling us to live, this, this reversal of, of what, we, what we hear and what we're bombarded with. So Luke contrasts this, the, a vulnerability of two kinds, if you will. The Pharisee expressing quite, quite possibly a vulnerability, but maybe, maybe a, a fearful vulnerability. And the sinful woman being, being kind of at the, at the end of her rope, we, we, what we think is maybe expressing a faithful vulnerability. And once again, the sinner comes out ahead. And, and as believers, like we, we look at this contrast, we all, we all have an expression of vulnerability. I love how that, that it just, it's just kind of all been the theme throughout the day. When, when, when Taylor started to, to say, hey, when you come, do you come with an expectancy? Do, do, you, do you come ready to give Jesus everything? Do you come with a vulnerability and a trust to say, okay, Lord, you know the things that are going on in my life. You know, you know the struggles. You, you know the, the heaviness and the weight, right? We, we, we sang that song that says, rain came and wind blew. <laughs> but when you come in, you're not just saying rain came and wind blew because your rain and your wind actually has a name. <laughs> your, your, your rain and, and your wind is actually a tangible thing that is happening in your life right now. So for you to sing that song, sometimes it's hard to say, my, 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 I know my house is built on you, Lord. I know that I'm trusting you, God. But in the middle of this thing, this rain and this wind is loud and it's strong and it's powerful. And Lord, I feel like it's taking over me. And so, and so there's this opportunity to come and to give God a, 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 a level of faithful vulnerability to say, God, you know what? I can't anymore. And sometimes God says, man, I've been waiting for you to tell me that. <laughs> but, and, and then, but then we, we have the other side as well, right? We have the other side that sometimes, and, and quite honestly, man, I, 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 I can relate to those things because I've had those moments in my life, but right now I just, I, 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 I'm like, okay, man, Lord, everything seems like it's good. Oh, man, you know, hey, yeah, I can, I can sing this song. I could dance, rain came and wind blew and it's gone. And it's sunny and it's shiny, Lord, it's so good, <laughs> right? And so that, that, that vulnerability sometimes can be shallow because, because often even... Even as we praise the, the Lord quickly, and, and, and this is just, this is just my, my heart, 
the Lord quickly said, well, what about the people in this room that ain't? What about the people in this room that, that life isn't sunny right now? And I think that's who God is calling us to be. God is calling us to be caretakers and caregivers and lovers of, of each other. And so we, we see this, this expression of, of vulnerability to God. And so my question to you is, is your expression a fearful or faithful vulnerability this morning? Simon chose this expression of fearful vulnerability. He couldn't give what, what, he, what he held close to him. He whispered to himself, man, if Jesus, if Jesus only knew, he, he held it close. The simple woman, her, her, her identity was tied up in all the stuff that she was doing. She got to the end of her rope and she said, I, I don't care who is there. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what they're having for dinner. I don't care how, I don't care what's happening. I'm going to go and do this because I'm, 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 I'm here. I'm done. I don't, I don't have any more. So I'm going to give everything that I have. She didn't care. So she went and she poured it all out. The Cece Winans has this song, and she says, you don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. Sometimes we don't understand the cost of our oil, and sometimes your expression of giving God everything, sometimes it offends people. Sometimes our, our lifestyle, it offends people, but we have to understand that we can't be a people that are worried about the offense when we're giving something to God, when we're doing something for the Lord, because that's, that's always going to happen. We just have to trust that the Lord is going to be taking care of all these things and not, not shrink back and not go back into a fearful vulnerability because of what's happening around us. We have to be faithful. God requires disciples to a lifestyle of faithful vulnerability, not momentary access. We have, to, we, have to clear, we have to see clearly that we need not only spiritual, we need emotional maturity. And these things, they run parallel to each other. They may grow at a different rate, but they run parallel to each other. And then as we further explore a lifestyle of a, of a disciple-making culture, we see that it's so much more than just, just one vulnerable moment. It's, it's so much more than just, just an emotional th- a time or, or something that, that moves us emotionally. It's, it's something that God wants to do in our lives every day. Again, I just love this common thread that's going throughout this, this today. Like, uh, Brent stood up here and said, man, God wants to do this thing. God wants, to, God wants to show up in your life. God wants to be a part of your life. God wants to be real to you Monday, Tuesday, all, all days of the week, in every moment, in every way, over and over. Scripture, he calls, Jesus calls us to a daily rhythm of vulnerability, a daily rhythm of opening our hearts. I love this scripture in Lamentations 3. I'm just going to read this. Don't worry about it. But, I've called, but this I call to mind. Therefore, I have hope. And it's because of the Lord's loving kindness that we are not consumed but his compassions, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great and beyond measure is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion and my inheritance, my, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him and wait expectantly on him. I think sometimes we have a skewed view of vulnerability. The definition of vulnerability is this, is a quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. 
But that, that definition that, like, who wants that, right? Like, I don't want any of that. But, but that definition, it, it leans towards a negative idea of it. Because as, as disciples of Jesus, vulnerability, vulnerability is a position of strength. Peter Cicero says it this way, author of the Emotionally Healthy Church. He says it this way. He says, in emotionally healthy churches, people live and lead out of brokenness and vulnerability. They understand that leadership in the kingdom of God is from the bottom up. Not a grasping, controlling, or lording over others. It is leading out of failure and pain. Questions and struggles, a serving that lets go. It is a noticeably different way of life from what is commonly modeled in the world. And unfortunately, in many churches. As we press forward down this path of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus and disciple makers, there's a couple of ideas about vulnerability that, that I wanna give you. One, vulnerability is the foundational building block of disciple making. Spiritual growth only happens in the context of vulnerability. Without it, we, we cannot deal with anything in a person's, in your history, in your heart, in your mind, in your emotions. It takes vulnerability. It takes that, that, that time where you're going you're gonna to say, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust. Not only am I going to trust God, but I'm going to trust the people around me. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm, I'm going to step out. And, and that's, that's what we, we try to embody in our small groups as we're, we're training our church during this time, how to allow people to become vulnerable. And that's tough and that's hard because there are real hurts in this room from people. There, there are real things that, that we blame life's experiences on, on God. And those things are real. Luke 10 talks about a person of peace. And that's, that's, that's who we want to be to each other. We want to be people of peace. We want to be people who embrace one another, who love one another, who receive one another. And, and, and through that love of Christ, without a judgmental spirit, we receive everything. We listen and we love. That requires vulnerability. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's starting this, this casual conversation. Pastor Ross says it this way. And then and it leads to meaningful conversations. And they end up in spiritual conversations. And that takes vulnerability. And, and I want to, I, wanna, I, I, I can express this to you as best I can. But I actually want to ask my wife to come up here. Christina, would you come up? I, I want her to, to, to give you this, this story of her heart and her life of how she experienced this vulnerability. As she, as she comes up, she's gonna share. Come on, give it up for, my, for Christina. Oh, good morning, good morning. I am Christina. And um, I just wanted to share a little bit of my experience. David, as he was preparing for his message, he asked me to share about the things that I've, I've experienced with my vulnerability. Um, this was 10 years ago, and although it was 10 years ago, it is still so profound in my life because it has made a huge difference. Um, so 10 years ago, when we came to this church, to One Chapel, we heard Pastor Ross, and he continuously always said, hey, get connected in a group, get connected in a group. Um, and I sat on the pews or in the chairs just saying, no way, no way, 
I'm an introvert, or I was. <laughs> I'm no longer an introvert, or I guess to some extent. Um, but if you've met David, you can meet him and talk to him for an hour, and it feels like you've known him for 10 years. Um, I, on the other hand, am not that way. And so as I heard Pastor Ross, you know, continuously say, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, you've got to get connected. I thought, there's just no way. I'm too scared. I have, I'm a mess. I have things going on in my life and that I had not yet been healed from. I had pain. I had hurt. And so um, I still sat there. I sat there in the chair Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, just listening to him say, get connected. And one Sunday, I was sitting there as I watched David just go and mingle with everyone. And uh, I thought, my gosh, I want to be connected like that. I feel so alone. I feel so alone. And I thought, I started praying right there, and I said, Lord, you know what, Lord? I said, just help me. I said, but look at these people. They're not even coming up to me. They're not even asking me to go to lunch or dinner or coffee <laughs> or what's wrong with them? You see, they just like David. And, uh, and he, he so loudly told me, no, you have been invited to the, to the table you have uninvited yourself to the table. And he said, you, you've seen it yourself and hear it. Every Sunday, Pastor Ross is saying, come get connected. Come get connected. It's on the website. It's on the social media platforms. Come get connected. And I just thought, whoa, wow. That, that, that stung, <laughs> and I was like, okay, Lord, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear, and these leaders were here. They had their addresses posted. They had their phone numbers posted. Everything was posted for the invite. That was, that was a total invite for me to go and get connected, so I decided to take the leap of faith, and the reason being that I didn't want to because, I, again, I just thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be judged I'm going to be judged. The definition of what he just gave, yes, I felt everything. I'm going to be attacked. I'm going to be judged. And so I decided to take the leap of faith and uh, go to my first connection group, my first woman's connection group. And I even sat in the car for about 10 or 15 minutes outside, and I thought, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? I don't want to go in. I'm not going to go in. Again, all the thoughts began to run through, my, run through my mind of anxiety, of fear, of worry, of what they were going to think of me, of the, the judgment that was going to happen after I opened up, after I told my story. And so I went, I just said, oh, no, I got to push through. So I did. And I went in and probably stayed there for about two and a half, three hours and it felt like only 20 minutes by the time I had to walk out the door. And I thought, I don't want to leave. And it just makes me so emotional today because I now have a group of women around me, surrounding me, that have encouraged me and inspired me. And them too, them too had some flaws, had some brokenness in their lives. They had pain, they had hurts. And so, again, I, I get emotional till this day because 
I, I, it, how much of an effect that it had on me and how much it helped me. So I highly encourage you, even if you're that introvert, make that leap of faith. Take that step. And when you do, you know, it's going to be the best thing that's happened to you in your life because there is healing in it. Walking alongside someone else and someone else walking alongside you that you can call on at pretty much any time to just pray with you and walk with you on this journey. See, a lot of times we, we mistake vulnerability for weakness. In reality, it's strength. Amen. And I actually looked up... Um, I guess the Christian term of vulnerability. <laughs> and it says it is the source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. And we want greater clarity in our purpose or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives. Vulnerability is the path. So you see, vulnerability is the pathway to deeper connection with God. And we find that deeper connection with God by being vulnerable by just laying it all down, by just surrendering. And like David said, grabbing a group for those that you trust and just laying it down right there with them so that they can go on this journey with you of healing. Stay up here with me. The last thing I wanna give you this morning is vulnerability is more than sharing information. It's, it's an invitation into a process. I want to read this scripture. Would you stand with me this morning as I read this? First John 1. The Bible says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light and he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we've deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we thank you thank you for your word. Lord, would you, would you pray that idea over us? Yes, Father God, we just come before your presence this morning, Lord. And I believe it begins with a, with a posture of surrender. So we, were, we surrender right now, Father God, any and every negative thought that, go, that is going through any mind right now. And we give it all to you. Any anxiousness, Father God, any fear, any anxiety, any, word, any thoughts of unworthiness. Yes, Lord. Any thoughts of not being adequate. Yes, Lord. Lord, we lay them all down right now at your feet. And we say, Lord, replenish us. Yes, God. Renew us yes, from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. And every blood vessel that is flowing through our bodies, Lord Jesus, you just help us to take that leap of faith, Father God. Yes, Lord so that we can have that deeper relationship with you and with others around us, Father. God, not just for ourselves, Father, but so that we can help others in their time of need. So we just lay these things at your feet right now, Lord. Yes, Lord. And we say, Holy Spirit,
just come.